There are three portions of scripture that I'll be making reference to. The, um, and if you want to, in your Bibles, uh, put a marker in these places, um, then you can keep up with, with me as I have opportunity to read them. Um, Isaiah chapter 25, verses six through eight. Genesis chapter three. And then where we will begin and end, Revelation chapter 19, verses four through nine. I wanna say thanks to Pastor John for trusting me enough to invite me to come and, uh, and preach, and I count it a, a great privilege, so thank you. Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse four. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. We so love food, don't we? We enjoy it to our detriment sometimes. I can't tell you how many times, uh, especially at Thanksgiving, I've taken full advantage of the table that's been spread. Oh, the memories, grandma's great cobblers. Whew. My aunt's cherry pie, the smells, the sounds of the family as we gathered, the stories, some of which were lies, <laughs> that we told one another as we celebrated around the table. Oh, we so enjoy our food. Now you might say, well, of course we enjoy food. It's what keeps us alive. Uh, what about air and water? Well, yes, we need those things as well, but we seldom think about those things. When was the last time any of us saw on Facebook a picture of a glass of water that I was about to drink? Never, never. But people put on Facebook pictures of the food that they're about to consume. We so enjoy food. And the only time we think about the air we breathe is when it's tainted with the smell of skunk or the stockyard that we're driving past. No, food is a whole different category. Our daughter was uh, probably not quite two. Her name is Sadie. And she would uh, wake up usually very early in the morning and her crib 
was attached to the dresser drawers and the changing table at one end of the crib. And, and she couldn't get out of the crib on her own. She managed to do that later when she took all of the slats out, but that came much later. Until she figured out how to get out of her trap or jail, she would actually climb up onto the changing table. And this tiny, tiny little girl would clench her fists and shout at the top of her lungs, Eat! <laughs> and of course, we all responded. And we ate. Now, we're grown-ups, most of us here, and we might not be crawling up on the uh, end of uh, our beds, but throughout the day, we have that same kind of thinking going on in our mind. Eat! Eat! Whether we're at our desk or in the car or sitting in the living room, our stomachs are growling, and it seems like that's all we can think about. Eat. <laughs> to fully understand Revelation chapter 19 and the invitation that's given there, we really have to consider first Genesis chapter 3. And it's a portion of the scripture that we're moderately familiar with. It's called the fall. And we read these words. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Hmm. But of course, we know the end of that story. Adam, as male and female, did in fact eat and it changed everything. It changed the relationship that they had with God. It changed the relationship that they had with each other. It even changed the relationship that they had with the rest of creation. It was devastating and destructive, but ultimately, ultimately, it brought death. It was a meal that didn't satisfy. So how does Genesis chapter 3 have anything to do with the invitation of Revelation 19? I'm glad you asked. There isn't a straight line trajectory from the first book of Genesis to the last book of Revelation, but rather there's a whole series of meals and invitations along the way that show us the very heart of God. Consider, for example, the very first rescue. We know it as the Passover. The children of Israel were in captivity. They were slaves. And what is it that they did? They were to take a lamb and slaughter it and 
place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, and then they were to roast it. And with the lamb and with the unleavened bread, they ate a meal. And the angel of the Lord passed over, and they were rescued. And for now, what, 3,500 years later, they're still eating the meal. They're still remembering what it was that God did in that moment, in that meal. And they tell the whole story every year as they sit at the table and remember. And of course, for the next 40 years, we know the story. They wandered in the desert, mostly because of their obstinance, something none of us could possibly understand. <laughs> yeah, right. For 40 years, they ate manna that God provided. Can you imagine just for a moment eating I don't care what? Kentucky Fried Chicken, Big Mac. <laughs> uh, macaroni and cheese for 40 years. Ugh. I'm not a great cook. Well, I think I am. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they would have gotten tired of it. But God provided a meal every day. They were sustained. And then, as we read through the, through the Old Testament over and over and over again, we catch the image of God as shepherd who provides, who brings his flock to pasture where there is rich grass to sustain them. We fast forward from Genesis chapter 3 and the rebellion and we go through the whole of the Old Testament and we see the cycle of obedience and disobedience, rebellion and restoration. We see it all the way through the rest of the Old Testament and we come to the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah is this marvelous voice that on the one hand, he calls the people to repentance. He rebukes them for their disobedience, but he also speaks words of hope. And it's in Isaiah 25 that we actually hear a word of hope. Listen to what he says. On this mountain, Yahweh Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Yahweh will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Do you hear that? Isaiah is telling us that there is coming what we come to know as the messianic banquet we so love food. <laughs> and Isaiah is saying, there's coming a day and a time when we will sit with Yahweh himself at a banquet 
that has the richest of food, a banquet of aged wine, and it is for all people, not just the children of Israel, but for all people. It's going to be a celebration. And what is it that they are celebrating? Very clearly, the author Isaiah tells us they are celebrating because death will be swallowed up forever. This is the, is the very thing that the children of Israel anticipate that death will be swallowed up forever when the Messiah arrives. It's the very thing that Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. He uses that very phrase. Death is swallowed up forever. So between that first unsatisfying bite that's, that's told to us in Genesis chapter 3 until we actually come to the messianic banquet that is announced in Revelation chapter 19, God has been inviting us to eat, wetting our appetites in anticipation. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus helping us catch a glimpse of that banquet that is yet to come. In the parable of the lost son in Luke chapter 15, we see the father waiting for his lost son to return, and when he sees him, he runs and greets him, and he says to the servants of his house, kill the fattened calf because we have to celebrate my son that was lost, my son that was dead has returned. He's alive. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate around the meal. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's interesting. In John's gospel, it says that they wanted to force him to become king. Why? Well, Mark's tells us the same narrative, but he gives us this detail that John doesn't. It says in Mark 6, 42, that the people ate, and it says this, they were satisfied. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want him to, to become king? He just fed you. You're satisfied. It's a meal that satisfies. A meal that Jesus had given to them. Jesus visits Zacchaeus' house in, in Jericho. In fact, Jesus says, climb down out of that tree. We're going to go have a meal at your house. And apparently there's no hesitation on the part of the short guy who's a tax collector. And they eat a meal, as Jesus has been doing throughout the land, through the course of his public ministry, eating with tax collectors and sinners. And what is it that he says to Zacchaeus? He says, today salvation has come to this house. And they celebrate in the meal. God's final rescue 
is in the person of Jesus himself. And as we think about the Last Supper, Jesus reinterprets the Passover. And he says, this bread is my body and this cup is my blood. If you eat and drink, (laughs) you will discover life. And every time you and I take the Eucharist, every time we take the meal, we are to remember both his death and the hope that it gives to us, which calls us, of course, back to the invitation that's anticipated in Revelation chapter 19 and that is announced in Isaiah 25. You see, the whole of the biblical narrative from the train wreck that was Genesis chapter 3 has been pointing us to the final meal, the messianic banquet, where death will be swallowed up. Think about the imagery. (laughs) When we eat a meal, we take a bite, and we're supposed to chew it so many times. Some of us do, some of us don't. And then we swallow it, and it's gone. That's the image of God himself. He's going to take that final bite on our behalf and it's gonna, he's going to swallow it and it's gone. It's no longer present. In that messianic banquet, he will swallow death forever. No more fears and no more tears. And the intimacy of community and relationship with God and each other and even the rest of creation will be healed. This is what Revelation 19 announces. It's cause for celebration. Woohoo! Cool and the gang got it right for the wrong reason, but they got it right. Isn't it? Ironic that in the first meal, death is introduced, and in the final meal, death is swallowed up forever. So, what? So, what should we do with this? Let me suggest to each of us this morning that in the simple and maybe even mundane activity that we engage in every day called eating, that we actually have an opportunity to glimpse what God has promised. No pun intended, but maybe we get a little taste of what's yet to come. As we pray before our meal, we're following the example of Jesus as he blessed the loaves and fish before he divided them up to satisfy the hungry 5,000. As we pray before our meal, we're giving thanks to God for his providential care, the same providential care that he extended to the children of Israel as they wandered in the desert and that he gives as their shepherd. As we break bread, whether it's around our tables at Thanksgiving or breakfast in the morning 
or the dinner at night, whether it's breaking bread in the Eucharist or at church potlucks. I love church potlucks. (laughs) I miss them. What we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus has done and we're celebrating the hope that it announces. We can have that memory, that taste every time we eat a meal. It can make us alert and give us hope for what is yet to come. Most of us look forward with great longing and anticipation to Thanksgiving, which is just around the corner. But even more so, there's a longing for that messianic banquet. And though we're, we're a little more grown up than my uh, toddler daughter, we still are thinking in our heads, eat, eat, right? <laughs> uh, and honestly, that's what's going on in my head as I think about the Messianic banquet. But it should not be a demand. What it should be instead is a whisper, eat, as a prayer that the messianic banquet would soon arrive and we be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, how glad we are that you have invited us to your table in so many different ways. Sometimes we've actually caught the invitation and enjoyed the meal. I pray, Father, that this day we would begin to anticipate that final meal that cancels out, swallows up that first unsatisfying meal and that we would be a people of hope as we anticipate the privilege and the joy and the celebration that is ours to come as we sit at the table with you to your glory and for your praise. Amen.